The texts for today's scriptures are from the Gospel of Luke. Let us stand in body or spirit and listen with anticipation and hope. In the 15th year of the rule of Caesar Tiberius, it was while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, ruler of Galilee, his brother Philip, ruler of Eturia and Trachonitis, Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the chief priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, John, Zechariah's son, out in the desert at the time, received a message from God. He went all through the country around the Jordan River, preaching a baptism of life change leading to forgiveness of sins. As described in the words Isaiah of the prophet, change leading to, oh, thunder in the desert, prepare God's arrival, make the road smooth and straight. Every ditch will be filled in, every bump smoothed out, the detours straightened out, all the ruts paved over, everyone will be there to see the parade of God's salvation. The word of the Lord. Youth and adults who were making 500-plus cookies yesterday, and those of you who brought them this week, thank you. That is really wonderful to have all of these cookies um, made with love, homemade, decorated, bagged, and ready to go to Morristown tomorrow morning um, where they will be uh, put into larger packages with, with underwear, socks, other things that people who are in prison will really appreciate. So thank you for your, your ministry. I couldn't help but chuckle over there as I was watching you bless the cookies, Pastor Sharon, and you invited the kids, would you help bless these cookies? And I could see a couple of wheels turning in their heads thinking, ah, if we must... We can't, we can't eat them? That was an exercise in great self-control. Kids, well done. To look at 500 cookies and not eat them, just bless them for someone else. Wow. Hannah, kudos to you in reading that text. That is a hard text with all these different names that none of us really know how it was pronounced 2,000 years ago. But it is always... Um, What we hear during Advent, we hear this litany of rulers, political rulers, religious rulers, hierarchy, patriarchy, and it is in this context that the gospel writer of Luke sets up the story of Jesus' birth. He lists... Caesar Tiberius. It was while Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea. Herod, ruler of Galilee. His brother Philip, ruler of Eturea and Trachonitis. Lysanias, ruler of Abilene. So those are the secular powers. And then the gospel writer of Luke talks about the religious powers during the chief priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. And then there's this little line that seems insignificant, but it is not. John, Zechariah's son, out in the desert at the time, received a message 
from God. John was nobody. Zechariah, his father, nobody in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of political power, they had none. Even in the eyes of religious power, they were on the margins. Added to that, John was in the desert. For the people of Israel, religious power was centered in Jerusalem. God wasn't prioritizing anything going on in the desert. But where does God speak a word preparing the way for the Christ? To someone who is not known, not famous, in a nowhere land, the desert, the wilderness, that is where God spoke. And that is how we begin this Advent and Christmas preparation with God speaking a word in the desert. And liturgically, we always hear John the Baptist saying, get ready, prepare a way. I imagine that some of us are a little bit stressed about getting ready for Christmas. Maybe not getting ready for Christ, but getting ready for Christmas. They're two different things. I can tell you that um, our house is decorated because we know you're coming over tonight. And you're all invited to come to the parsonage for this wonderful Advent gathering where people bring hors d'oeuvres and we just eat and talk and sing carols in our living room around the piano and the fireplace. It's from 4.30 to 6. I hope you'll come. In our house, we um, have kind of an unspoken rule that we will not listen to Christmas carols until after my wife's birthday, which is the 25th of November. And you know that Christmas carols are everywhere before the 25th of November, but if we hear it on the car radio, we turn it off because we know it's not mom's birthday yet. But once the 26th rolls around, we are all about the Christmas stations in the car. And I don't know about you, if you have a favorite Christmas, do you have a favorite Christmas song that you hear it and you just know, ah, it's Christmas time? Do you have a favorite one? Go ahead, shout it out. What's your favorite Christmas song when you hear it and you think, ah, that's good? Yes, a good one. Noel, Noel. Any others that you like yet? Came upon a midnight clear, uh, clear, yes. Oh, Holy Night. Hark the Herald. Jingle Bell Rock. Yeah, that's good. Feliz Navidad. Yeah, all right. Those of you who speak Spanish, you appreciate that. Well, for me, it's not really Christmas time until I hear Bruce Springsteen singing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. 
And if we're in the car, if the four of us are in the car, it's usually like this. I'm belting it out. Matthew and Lizzie are belting it out. We're singing from the guts of our souls because we just love singing with Bruce. And Julie just smiles lovingly, thinking to herself, these are the three Bruce fans that I love. (laughs) You know, that song is really helpful to juxtapose with Jesus. Santa, he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So, that's right. We have internalized that. But let me say as clearly as I can, that may be how Santa operates, but that is not how God operates. Santa keeps tabs, apparently. Everything we know about God through Jesus does not keep tabs. Sure, God sees when we have been nice, and God says, I love you. Surely God sees when we have been naughty, and God says, I love you. Everything that we know about God through Jesus is a God who can only love. I say that because it may help us in our spiritual lives and spiritual preparation. I would contend that we, most of us, have a difficult time with silence and I would say silent prayer because when we go into the silence, which for many is a wilderness experience, the wilderness of all of the thoughts that we have been running from, the feelings we've been running from. When we are silent, we can't run from that anymore, and so we avoid silence because silence is often a wilderness space for us. In the midst of that silence, if we don't know a God who can only love, and we conflate God and Santa Claus, then in that silence and in that prayer, we will be looking around for a reference to convince God that we're really more on the good list, the nice list, than the naughty list. And, and we do this even in our praying try and justify and get on God's good side. And that is a fruitless game that really is only for our egos. God comes alongside of us in silence and says, I love you. I'm glad to be with you. I want to be in your life even more. That God image may help us to sit in silence for even a few moments a day, which is really important. 
this past few days, Lawrence Freeman, one of the great teachers of how to pray in silence, was here and taught those who came from all over the world to sit in this sanctuary to learn from him. And all the statistics are showing more and more people are discovering the importance of meditation. And they're discovering that often outside of the church because most churches have seen that as too foreign, hard to control, and yet people are longing for it. We're practicing that this Advent as a church. We are challenged to spend five minutes a day, just five minutes a day, praying. Last week we prayed for hope. This week we're invited to pray for peace. And that may be really important if we want God to flow through us, if we want God to use us as vessels of peace. If we're not at home with our own selves, we're not going to be at home anywhere. If we're not at peace with our own selves, we're not going to be able to be vessels of God's peace out there in the world. And so we're invited to practice something that we have been doing the last few weeks. That is to practice a box prayer or box breathing where we envision a box and each side of that box is correlated with a certain way of breathing, a certain way of praying. If we start at the bottom and breathe in God's peace for four seconds or however long it's appropriate for you, hold on to that breath for four seconds. Hold on to that peace of God for four. Breathe the peace of God out into the world for four. And then wait to breathe in the peace, to wait for four. That may be the hardest part of this exercise, is exhaling and not instinctively wanting to inhale right away. I invite us to just practice that for a few moments. If you wish to close your eyes, I invite you to do that, to inhale God's peace for four, to hold that peace for four, to exhale God's peace out into the world for four, and to wait for God's peace for four. Inhale peace for four. Hold peace for four. Exhale peace for four. Wait for peace for four. Inhale peace. Hold peace. Breathe peace. Wait for peace. 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 
Come, Lord Jesus, and breathe your peace upon each of us again and afresh. In moments of stress, help us to breathe in your peace and breathe out your peace. In moments of waiting, in moments of frustration, in moments of contentedness, help us to keep coming back to the peace which passes understanding but is real and your desire for us and for all of creation. Amen.